This episode of The Explainer is supported by daft.ie. Are you buying or selling a home? If it's for sale, it's on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website. Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, Irish actors are nominated again for Golden Globes. So how did we get here? Well, last year, there was a lot of excitement around the Irish names appearing throughout the Hollywood awards season, with the success of the Banshees of Inishirin on Colin Kewen and An Irish Goodbye. This year, it looks like Irish talent is holding its own in Hollywood again, with Golden Globe nominations now for Irish actors Killian Murphy, Barry Kewen, and Andrew Scott. Now Murphy is up for Oppenheimer, which isn't much of a surprise, but Keoghan and Scott are also in the mix with him now for Saltburn and All of Us Strangers. So today we're going to look at the success of these three actors and ask if this is a sign that Irish film and TV talent is now a force to be reckoned with on the world stage. To look at all of this, I'm joined by Aoife Barry, who's a journalist and author and who's formerly of this parish. Aoife, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks a million for having me. So firstly, Aoife, can you tell us a bit about the Golden Globes, what they're about? They're kind of a little bit different to other awards in the season, aren't they? But not without a lot of controversy. Yeah, the Golden Globes are really interesting because they've been going since 1944. So, you know, very long time, not quite as long as the Oscars, but, but you know, almost as long. Um, they're very starry. You know, people in Ireland do pay a lot of attention to what happens in the Golden Globes because when you watch it, there's always stars on the red carpet hanging out. But it's had a really bad couple of years. Um, now, there's always been a bit of controversy around the Golden Globes, probably since back in kind of the late 1950s. Um, it is a little bit less formal anyway than the Emmys or the Oscars in terms of the event on the night. But a lot of the rumours around it over the decades were kind of like about how it was maybe a little bit more informal when it came to people actually being nominated or winning the awards. Um, So the people who vote in the Golden Globes are members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association or HFPA. They're basically journalists who are based in the US but who write for foreign outlets so they don't write for American outlets about film. Um, And there was a long controversy since going back to the 1950s or so about whether people were kind of currying favour with the HFPA in order to get nominated. So there was always this kind of layer of controversy around it. And then you get to the 2010s and there was some very interesting things that happened at the Golden Globe Awards that caused controversy. So for example, in 2011, the film Burlesque, I don't know if you've ever seen that or if you remember it, but it was certainly not a very lauded film at the time. It starred Cher and uh, Christina Aguilera. It was a musical, of course, and that actually competed for Best Picture at the 2011 ceremony. And people were very curious as to how that got to that that state, because that was not a film that any critics would have thought would have would have ended up there. And then in, when you get to 2019, you had a film like Little, Little Women was snubbed. And this all came to a head um, in 2021 when there's an expose by the Los Angeles Times, which they basically reported on the fact there was no black members within the HFPA. There were people who were people of colour, but there was no black members. And the reason why that was particularly of note was because that year Spike Lee had his film The Five Bloods out and also the HBO series I May Destroy You also came out. And they didn't get any Golden Globes nominations because the Golden Globes nominates TV and film, just in case people didn't realise. Um, and that expose was basically you know, saying that there was no diversity within the HFPA ranks and this was having a knock-on effect at um, on who was being nominated. Um they ended up having to totally overhaul their voting body. They let more people in. They said if you don't live in Southern California, you can still join. So that meant that they could really diversify their ranks. But there was still big backlash around then, 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, Scarlett Johansson slammed a couple of members of the HFPA journalists. She said that they, you know, treatment um, towards her that bordered on sexual harassment. 
Tom Cruise returned all of his Golden Globe trophies. Um, NBC cancelled the award broadcast for 2022. So after, I suppose, the Golden Globes and HFBA felt that it had, you know, cleaned things up a little bit, it had last year's ceremony. And um, at that one, there was a little bit of a muted response in terms of people who were nominated. You didn't really have the typical idea of people going on about how delighted they were to be nominated by the HFPA. But they also chose a host, um, a comedian, a black comedian called Jared Carmichael. And he was a host of the show last year. And during his monologue, he actually said, I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm here because I'm black. So they really had to face up to all of these things that they had been kind of dogged by for years. Um, they've changed different laws, you know, in terms of, you know, in terms of how they run, you know, they prohibited gifts and there's limits and stuff on travel to do with the members and things like that. So this is going to be, I suppose, the big year for whether or not people will believe that the Golden Globes is back to where it was in terms of, you know, any sort of cachet that it has. And Aoife, then where do the Golden Globes stand now in comparison with the likes of the Oscars? If you group it together with the other big US awards, so like the Critic, Critics' Choice Awards and the Screen Actors Guild, it would be better known in Ireland than either of those ones, but they all come together with the other awards as well to give a sense of like taking the temperature of the films that look like they could make it into the Oscars. You know, all of these, you know, are a sense of what's happening, what people are talking about, what the big films are, you know, and, and giving a sense of maybe what the big actors are. And it's also room for some surprises. So what you'll have is some films like this year, like Barbie and Oppenheimer, that you know are going to be scooping up more or less big awards and stuff like um, Golden Globes and Critics' Choice. You'll you'll probably get less awards for Barbie or, or nominations when it comes to something like um, like the Oscars. But you'll get a sense of how they're doing. But then also you get a sense of are there any films that people have forgotten about that came out at the start of the year that actually maybe now the critics have decided that they should award. So it's always really interesting for people, for critics and for fans and for the filmmakers to keep. A eye on something like the Golden Globes to see what are the critics thinking, what's bubbling under, what looks like a dead cert um, for the Oscars. So the fact that we have three Irish actors nominated in the Best Actor Drama category in the Golden Globes this year is very notable because it shows Ireland is doing very well after our Oscars performance last year, but also it bodes well for future um, award ceremonies, including, of course, the Oscars. Okay, so we have a new, shiny and inclusive, brand new, let's say, Golden Globes after all of that controversy. And this kind of looks like a new beginning. And if we look at the Irish contingent then and Barry Keoghan first, he's no stranger to award seasons, is he? Uh, What has he won previously or what has he been nominated for? So he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor last year for Banshees. Um, he's won BAFTA awards for um, his his performance in Banshees, but and he was also nominated as well for an Oscar last year for the Banshees of Sharon. So he's someone who Americans really love. Uh, the American award ceremonies really loved and critics loved him in Banshees last year. And um, he's up this year for his role as Oliver Quick in the film Saltburn. So that film is actually written and directed by Emerald Fennell, who won an Oscar for Promising Young Woman. Um, and even though it's getting some so-so reviews, you know, some critics love it. Some really feel it's kind of there's not much um, weight to it, despite the topic. He's getting some some great responses. He basically plays a young man who infiltrates a very rich family who live in an estate called Saltburn in the UK. And, you know, anybody who's seen Barry Keoghan in any films knows that he's really good at playing these kind of strange slightly menacing characters so he got very well cast in this film. Yeah, and there was talk, wasn't there, about method acting this time around for him in this role? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's someone who really gets into um, his roles and there's a really young young cast with this. So you have people like Jacob Elordi um, as well in it who plays um, the kind of the, the head young guy in the Saltburn estate who befriends him um, um, at the college that they're both going to. So like he's, Barry Kogan is definitely somebody who kind of lives a, lives a Hollywood life and he's really well able to get stuck into these really intriguing and, and dark characters. And that is why he's able to bring a certain, you know, cachet to that particular role even though the film itself might be kind of so-so according to some critics. And was it the Banshee's role last year that really catapulted him into this space? Yeah, he really is. I mean, he's someone, for example, he was in the Marvel's film The Eternals. He was in The Green Knight. He had a cameo in The Batman. Um, So he's someone who has gone from Fair City, love-hate, to going to Hollywood, to, you know, really having a big name as one of the big Irish actors to look at. Um, He also starred in Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is the Orgus Lanthimos film. So I think Barry Kogan is somebody who, if he, you know, keeps picking up these sorts of roles that are really interesting and intriguing and, and a little bit kind of edgy, he will definitely keep making his name. He's he's right up there and he's so young still. I mean, he's not barely into his 30s, I think. So there's, there's plenty more to come for him. And Paul Meskell, of course, is the other person who's the kind of very youthful and very big Hollywood star. He's probably arguably even bigger than, than Barry Kogan now, I would say, even though he hasn't starred in you know a big Marvel film, but he does have the Gladiator film coming out next year. And then Killian Murphy, of course, is in the mix, but I don't think people need much reminding, do they, about what role he's up for at this stage? Yeah, so it's Oppenheimer. I think everybody's probably seen Oppenheimer by now. It's a Christopher Nolan biopic about J. Robert Oppenheimer and it's Murphy himself playing Oppenheimer, who was, you know, the father of the atomic bomb. Um, the film is huge. It's a big film. It's, you know, three and a half hours long. It's telling a really, really big story. Christopher Nolan is beloved of cinephiles. You know, he's a guy who really gets into every single granular detail of of the films that he makes. Um, and the interesting thing about Killian Murphy, I think, with this is that he's someone who's got had a really long career. You know, he's into his mid to late 40s now. He's been working in Hollywood for a good number of years. He worked with Christopher Nolan multiple times before he played the Scarecrow in the Dark Knight franchise. He was in Dunkirk with him as well. But this is his first time leading um, a Nolan film, the first time where he really is centre stage the whole time. And he looks so like Oppenheimer. He plays the role so fantastically. But what's also really interesting about Killian Murphy is he doesn't seem to really enjoy being famous and he doesn't seem to want to be famous. And that's made him really beloved on social media where you'll find a lot of memes around Killian Murphy and his dislike of being famous and dislike of being interviewed or apparent dislike of these things anyway. Um, and that he's a reluctant star. So that's really tied in with a lot of his, ironically, his rise to stardom to, for kind of younger people, I think, on social media of the last year over Oppenheimer. It partly has to do with the fact that he actually doesn't seem to like being a star. Well, this is it. He is the reluctant star and he has to be admired for that, uh, for staying so grounded. But is he any entering a new level of stardom now. I think that reluctance partly has something to do with making him very appealing in a world where people really want attention all the time and he doesn't seem to want that attention. He wants to be in the business to act. You know, he started off in theatre and I think that 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 appeals to people but it definitely means that he's going to be surely, you know, touted by a lot of directors as somebody that they want to work with on, on other big blockbusters. But like, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he went back and did something in TV. Obviously, he did Peaky Blinders for a good few years. Um, If he did theatre, like he's someone who really picks things according to, I suppose, the director and the role. But he's such a big name in Hollywood. I would be so surprised in a way if he, you know, wasn't right up there with, with Bradley Cooper for um the best actor win at the Oscars. He's probably the one for him to beat at this point anyway. Um, But if he can get enough of, you know, a push behind him, if he can get enough of a push behind him when it comes to the Oscars, one in particular, he could be with a very, very good chance. 
Now, we also have Andrew Scott, and I guess he's not so much the household name, but he would be a firm favourite here, wouldn't he, because of Fleabag? Yeah, I th- he's a cult favourite definitely here, a big favourite here because of Fleabag. He's someone who's been acting for years. I mean, he's obviously an Irish actor, but he spent a lot of time in the UK. You know, that that's where he's based. Um, and so he does have a really good UK fan base too. And Fleabag itself was on in the in the US and people who are big fans of Fleabag will absolutely know him over there um, as a hot priest and he's often asked about that hot priest role as well in US interviews so he's not so You're no one if you haven't played a hot priest at some point during Yeah Exactly. So like he's really known for this that particular role, but he's he's very kind of solid actor and very charismatic. And I think what's interesting is, um, you know, he's in this new film, All of Us Strangers, which is directed by Andrew Hay, which is the film that he's nominated for his role in that. But he's opposite Paul Meskel in this film. Now, he's he's got the main role. Paul Meskel is supporting him in this film. And it's a notable film because Andrew Hay has got a few other films that came out that, that you know, wouldn't have been touted for Oscars, but were really, really good. Like 45 Years, totally heartbreaking film. Weekend and Lean on Pete. He directed the TV series Looking, um, which US audiences will know as well. And he's someone who's been working for, for a good number of years in film. He was an assistant editor for a good while before he struck out on his own. But there's a lot of love behind um, All of Us Strangers because it is that kind of smaller film. It's not this massive, big budget film but also because it has Meskel and Scott together. And when people heard that they were basically playing a couple in this film, people were just eating this up with a spoon. They were delighted to hear that this was going to be the couple in this film. So again, like when photos came out of the two of them in a nightclub and stuff like that, people were really into the dynamic um, between the pair of them. I think that's really pushed this film forward. And I don't even mean that in a cynical way because I think people like love the idea of seeing them as a couple on screen and they're really intrigued about this film. And then as soon as the critics reviews started coming out of the early screenings of this film, people were coming out saying they were bawling, crying, their heart was broken. All of Us Strangers is the most devastating film you're going to see this year. So there's been a lot of really positive talk around it. And like maybe Andrew Scott could be the dark horse when it comes to the award ceremony that this film that isn't as big as, as the other ones that he's up against actually could propel him to, to further fame and he could get awarded for this really beautiful role. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I think Killian Murphy's nomination may be not so much of a surprise, but the other two we weren't expecting. Yeah, I think Killian Murphy, if he wasn't nominated there would be like uproar because like Oppenheimer was the film of the summer alongside Barbie. Um, But Andrew Scott's definitely a bit more of a surprise, you know. I mean, Barry Keoghan, I don't think it's as much as a surprise as the other two, but it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of middle ground because again of the fact that Emerald Fennell is a bit of a Marmite writer and director. And if you look at who they're up against when it comes to this this category in the Golden Globes. So the best male actor in a film drama category is what they're in. They're up against Bradley Cooper, who is in Maestro. And I mean, he's really fantastic in this. And don't forget that he directed this film as well, which will always give him a really a big boost when it comes to award ceremony. Leonardo DiCaprio in Killers of the Flower Moon, another huge film, Martin Scorsese film that came out this year and, you know, is a, a tough role for him in a really interesting character. Um, and then you have um, Coleman Domingo, who's in a film called Rustin. This is an interesting one because it's not out in Ireland yet um, it's based on the true story of a guy called Rustin who helped Martin Luther King Jr. and others organise 
organised the March on Washington in 1963, really pivotal, pivotal um, march, a really pivotal march in the civil rights movement in, in the story of, of the US. And Coleman Domingo is really interesting. He's in The Colour Purple this year as well, the kind of remake of the film or like a musical remake of the film, which itself is based on the book, The Colour Purple. And he's been a long, long time um, Hollywood actor. He hasn't been like really, really famous or very well known until maybe the last number of years, had a lot of character roles. But he is someone, again, that, that you know, people should keep an eye on because he could get lauded a bit more in, in the awards. I'm not so sure really that he's going to be very uh, much competition perhaps in, in the Golden Globes, but he is somebody as well who'll probably see himself getting a few more nom- nominations. So it's up against Bradley, Leonardo and Coleman, Coleman that um, Barry, Killian and Andrew are. And of course, the Golden Globes has got two different categories as well, but we don't have an Irish person in the second one. They've got best male actor in a film, musical or comedy. They broke them in the 1950s so that you can break up the, the dramas and the musicals or comedies to kind of give everybody a bit of a fair chance. Daft.ie is the preferred site for anyone buying or selling a home in Ireland. Whether you're taking the first steps or planning your next move, make sure you're on daft.ie, the best place to buy or sell your home in Ireland. It does sound like the Irish actors are in the more prestigious of the two categories then. Yeah, definitely. Like drama is always a really big one, isn't it? And if you look at if they're who they're up against, Bradley Cooper, um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, the big, big names. So it does show that Irish actors are right up there. I mean, it's not to say, obviously, that musicals um, or comedies are lesser than dramas. But when it comes to, I suppose, what you might think of like the heavyweight acting, I think people would typically think of drama. So that's why it's a really good category for them to be in. Anifa, will these nominations influence the Oscars, do you think? Is that how it works? I always find this really interesting because when you look at the Golden Globes, they're typically called um, a predictor rather than an influencer. And I think that's probably the case with a lot of the um, awards. And when you look at sites like Awards Daily, for example, where you have some great uber nerds who go and categorise everything and they look at all of the, you know, the, di- the different kind of trends and stuff like that that are going on. You can typically tell, you know, by a certain stage, which awards maybe or nominations will really tell you what might be happening with the Oscars but there are always surprises as we saw last year as well too I mean everything everywhere all at once at the start of 2022 that wasn't being talked about as a film that would storm the Oscars so it'll get really interesting over the next few months when we watch the different um, Oscar pushes for the campaigns you know the different um, films where their production companies decide to um, or distributors decide to really push them as the ones to go for in the Oscars so there's still a lot of you know water to go under the bridge or a lot of time to kind of Um, to take place in order for people to kind of push certain films or certain actors that might be unexpected. But something like the Golden Globes does help to build momentum for certain films. It does help to show and to cement, you know, Oppenheimer, Barbie, these certain films are ones, you know, that we want to to kind of recognise. Um, it takes the temperature of what's happening in Hollywood at the moment and it shows what the critics like as well because the members of the HFPA are all critics themselves, right? They've watched loads of films over the years. This, this is the cream of the crop, you would hope, according to them. So... There are 10,000 people who are members of the Academy who vote for the Oscars, a lot more than 300 or so that vote for the Golden Globes. So you have a much broader swathe of people around the year that are voting for the Oscars. But I really think, you know, every year when we watch it, we do see that some films and actors come out as like a dead cert for X, Y or Z. And then other ones, something interesting happens to kind of push them into the minds of the people who are voting over that kind of voting period over December into January. And it's always interesting to see what happens and who's that person and what the general attitude is towards certain films. I mean, 
If you think of something like um, the the killer, for example, which is the film that came out this year, which is directed by David Fincher, like he's a really prominent, very famous, and 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 very well respected director. Michael Fassbender is the main character and that the protagonist of that film. But you don't see Michael Fassbender appearing on any of the lists really so far, and you don't see a lot of chat about it as a pot- potential Oscar contender. But the question is, oh, if something maybe changed between now and January, could it actually um, get itself on the list? There's those kind of things I think in the back of your mind when you're thinking about this, like what could be a surprise and what would be a dead cert. But I think looking at the Golden Globes, we'll have to have at least one, which would be Killian Murphy um, nominee um, in the Oscars. But I think, you know, we might be surprised we might get at least another one. Yeah, we should probably mention poor things here because there's some Irish involvement in that too, isn't there? Yeah, Poor Things is so interesting. It hasn't come out in Ireland yet. It's coming out very soon at the very start of January 2024. And it's produced by or co-produced by Element Pictures. So Film 4, Searchlight Pictures and Element Pictures all worked together on this film. And Element Pictures is an Irish company. Um, they've worked for many years with Lenny Abrahamson. They've done all of his films and they've worked on a good number of Yorgos Lanthimos's films. And Yorgos Lanthimos is a Greek director and people will know him from The Favourite and The Lobster, of a sacred deer. He's just such a, an unusual and, and really great director. And we could potentially, you know, take some Irish ownership, I suppose, over some of the nominations that this will get. And it's it's pretty much guaranteed a couple because Emma Stone, from day one since the previews of this have been out, people have been just, you know, raving about her role as Bella in this. She's the main character in, in this film. And the film is like a Frankenstein-esque tale. And she's basically the equivalent of Frankenstein's monster in this. And she's getting so much praise for it. So you could see you could see a nomination definitely for her across all the main um, award ceremonies. But then what we might also get too is Robbie Ryan. And Robbie Ryan is a cinematographer who works with Yorgos Lanthimos on this film. He was nominated for um, cinematography in the Oscars for The Favourite in 2018. So we might see an Oscars uh, nomination for him for this. So I think, you know, as Element Pictures is Irish and there's such a good relationship with Yorgos Lanthimos, we can really take some Irish ownership over all of its success in the Golden Globes and in uh, the Oscars and anything else too. Well, I think, look at we probably felt we'd reached peak Irish talent abroad last year, didn't we, with the Banshee's success and that. But we do appear to be on a roll now. And I think I know people say this a thousand times, but for a small island nation, we do punch above our weight. I know it's so interesting. And when you look at someone as well, like who's been playing a big role in that, it's someone like Paul Meskell, you know, um, that there's so much buzz around him. And Killian Murphy is someone too, who like people just really love them. I think um, in America, people just love Irish actors. Um, if you look at the story of Irish, you know, uh, films in Hollywood and how, how we have behaved and how we've gotten to the level that we are now, if you look back at the very late 1980s and the early 1990s, films like The Crying Game really put us on the map in terms of the Oscars. We had directors like Neil Jordan, Jim Sheridan paving the way for kind of continued success for Irish directors around that period of time at the Oscars. Then you had actors like Daniel Day-Lewis, who is British-Irish, who were also showing that we could really just put kind of our actors on the map too. And that period of time is just a really interesting one to look back on when it came to Irish filmmaking. And now we seem to really be in a period where it's Irish actors that are particularly flying the flag for Ireland and from a really young age as well. I mean, Caelan Murphy's in his 40s, but Paul Meskell's still in his 20s and people are coming out of, literally coming out of acting school like Paul Meskell, ending up in a TV series like Normal People and then pretty much immediately making the leap to Hollywood. So it's like this big burst of confidence I think that people have, that they've seen what people achieved in the decades beforehand and they know that people in Hollywood love Irish actors. They know we have the talent here. We've got some really great, um, you know, uh, acting schools where people can learn their craft here as well too, that are obviously preparing people for their roles. Um, And you have people 
people working in Ireland, England and the UK. You know, you've someone like Alison Oliver, who was in Conversations with Friends. She's in Salisbury as well. She's not necessarily being talked of as like, you know, an Oscar nominee, but she's someone who people are really watching. So I think it's just a really interesting period of time for Irish actors in particular. And then, of course, you saw on Colleen Kuhn last year, which was both brilliant for Irish director uh, Colin Barade, but also for the Irish language. So, you know, hopefully we can maintain that. Um, You have something like Screen Ireland, which obviously funds a lot of Irish filmmaking and is really trying to push Irish filmmakers to a higher high level and to show, well, if Anne Colleen Kuhn can reach the Oscars, you know, the sky is the limit, really. It doesn't, there's no kind of barrier there in terms of language or anything like that. So it's great. I think very, there's a lot of proud, I think, among Irish people about Irish filmmaking right, right now because... There's a lot of great stuff being made, a lot of great stuff happening. And also, just because, you you know, if you don't reach the Oscars, it doesn't mean you're not making good film. There's so much great indigenous homegrown film that is being made independently or or is being uh, funded by Screen Ireland that doesn't even want to get anywhere near the Hollywood system. And we have so much of that great uh, filmmaking being made here, too. It just seems like streaming has upended a lot of the whole ecosystem of film, hasn't it? And how is next year looking then, Aoife, with Irish actors and productions? Could we see any lineup for future awards, anything in the pipeline? I think the big one at this point um, is Gladiator 2, which stars Paul Meskell. He's in the main role in this and it's a Ridley Scott film. Barry Cogan is also in this film too. So we have the two of these lads kind of propping up um, the big films at the moment. So that's definitely the one to watch because people will be really intrigued, I think, to see what Paul Meskell does when he takes on a, a really big role like him. It's really new for him. He's been in the the gym getting pumped up for this role for months and months now um, and it, it's another level and also it being Ridley Scott I mean he the British director is in his 80s he's pumping out films like there is no tomorrow he obviously had Napoleon that came out this year that was doing really well too and a lot of a lot of high hopes in Gladiator too because Gladiator is kind of like a, a modern classic really at this stage um, in terms of smaller films there's a lot of Irish horrors coming out and one of them Freywaka which stars Claire Monley that'll be one to watch because that sounds really interesting it's in the Irish language um, and then documentary wise, you've got the kneecap documentary. So it'd be interesting to see if that translates to an audience outside Ireland, because that'll be a really interesting one, because it takes in the troubles and modern day relationship between the Republic and Northern Ireland. So um, and Irish music and, and hip hop, too. So I think there's some really good stuff um, to come in, in 2024. Yeah, Hollywood has taken a bit of heat, hasn't it, in the last year or so with the strikes and talk of AI and a lot of tension there. Now, despite the fact that that's been resolved, will that have any impact on awards season? Yeah, it's an interesting one because for a while people weren't really sure what the impact would be because they just had to keep kind of pushing things back and waiting to see when the strikes would be resolved. I mean, it took, what, around six months for the whole thing to be to be resolved. So the big one really that you saw being pushed back was Dune Part 2. Um, that's been pushed back to 2024. And the reason why that's a big one is because that would have been expected to contend among um, the award ceremonies. So that would have been expected to be nominated in several categories in the Oscars, for example, and, and the Golden Globes. And the fact that that's been pushed basically opened the doors for Barbie and Oppenheimer to not be up against another really big blockbuster. So that means whatever comes out next year, like Gladiator 2, will have Dune Part 2 to contend with too. Um, There is a lot of other movies that were moved, but looking through the list of them, I think Dune Part 2 is the one that stands out as clearing a space there in in the awards, but then being something that that could create some issues for um, other films that are coming out next year. Um, So it just means basically that the big ones, the big films this year, haven't really lost out too much. Once you had a film that came out before the end of the summer and you could do your press for it then you were laughing and the different studios did did find different ways of getting their press out about the films um 
you know, they weren't allowed to have their writers and their actors talking, but in some films you were able to have the directors talking and some got a dispensation because they were independent films. So there were ways around making sure the films didn't get lost. So I'm not too sure that that many studios feel like the um, the strikes actually really affected their Oscar chances or their Golden Globes chances. But I suppose that will all become very clear as the winners are named. Well, look, it's great to see such success for Irish actors and film and it's something to look forward to when the Globes are on on January 7th. Aoife, thanks a million for your time today. Thanks a million. This episode of The Explainer was supported by daft.ie with the largest number of properties for sale in Ireland and being the number one preferred site among buyers and sellers, daft.ie is the best place to buy or sell your home. Thanks again to Aoife Barry for joining us today. You've been listening to the Explainer podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan and executive producer Sinead O'Carroll. If you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.